Guys, welcome to the show. Today we've got Justin Earhart of Premium Hunts. We're going to be talking about New Mexico hunting. We're going to talk about the regulations. We've got a deadline coming up here March 18th. Uh, before we get to that, I want to thank you guys, the listeners of this podcast. I want to remind you, if you guys have any questions of me, you can send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can send me a direct message also on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. I love interacting with you guys. I want to thank you for your avid support of this podcast. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider, uh, the Insider is the best western hunting resource and tool available to western hunters applying in all these different states if you want the most accurate draw odds and harvest statistics and helping you apply for these hunts go to gohunt.com forward slash j scott just for signing up you're going to get a 50 dollars go hunt gear shop gift card i also want to thank go hunt my friends uh, cody nelson over at the optics department he's the optics manager in the gear shop there uh, Cody talks everything glassing. I call him the glassing guru. If you have any optics needs at all, if you're looking to buy binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, rangefinders, tripods, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747. That's extension 2, or you can go to, uh, you can text him at 602-399-3699. You can also give him a call. That is his cell phone. Give him a call. He does a great job with customer service. Make sure to mention J. Scott Outdoors. I want to thank Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Go to KUIU.com, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the gear that I've worn on all of my hunts since 2010. Best ultralight hunting gear on the market. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the J. Scott 20 promo code. You're going to save a 10% discount there. Thanks to onxmaps.com. Use the jscott20 promo code at onxmaps.com. It's going to save you 20%. Onyx Maps, I use it every day, hunting, fishing, and in my real estate business. They've got a great public-private land overlay. They've got a great tracking system so you know where you're at at all times. Uh, you're able to toggle back and forth between topo and aerial. Uh, and there's also a hybrid mode. Uh, you can import export out of google earth it's just an awesome tool go to onxmaps.com use the jscott20 promo code it's going to save you 20 percent i also want to announce a new sponsor of the podcast uh, this spring i'm going to be using apex ammunition i'm going to be using the tungsten super shot that's the tss uh, for you turkey hunters and uh, waterfowlers and upland uh, game bird hunters uh, you're gonna. You've obviously already heard probably a lot about the TSS, the tungsten super shot. Uh, they're using a much smaller shot, lots of velocity out of these shotguns, and tungsten is a much denser, uh, much harder, uh, heavier uh, product, and uh, you're able to get a lot more pellets in the kill zone. So. Go to apexmunition.com to find out more. I want to thank Apex for their new sponsorship of this podcast. Guys, let's get right to this episode with Justin Earhart. And don't forget the March 18th deadline in New Mexico. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got my friend Justin Earhart of Premium Hunts. Justin, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Jay? 
Good. Uh, well, the credit cards in Arizona have been hit. Um, no one really knows which units exactly they have, but I'm sure your phone's been ringing. Uh, how's it looking there for Unit 1 and 27? Uh, it's looking good. It's, uh, you know, we're, we just got a little tiny bit more moisture yesterday, so every little bit helps at this point. You know, we're kind of in that period where, you know, the, the cards have already been hit and then people are trying to decide, um, you know, what, what units they have and which direction they're going, and it's always an exciting time. We talked previously on the podcast about uh, the importance of having, you know, a couple years back-to-back of, of good moisture. Um, you're still fully anticipating if, if everything stays the same, uh, 27 and 1 having another good antler growth year, right? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we've had a phenomenal amount of moisture this winter already. Um, so anything we get in this early part of spring just going to be icing on the cake. So I'm really anticipating a pretty good horn growth year. You know, your um, success, well, your success for a long time has, has been, I've been tracking it, but you guys had a great uh, successful year last year in 1 and 27 with your elk hunters, uh, both on the early and the late, and it seems like you guys really can dig up those those really good bulls. Um, how much of that is just persistence and staying after it, and how much of it is, you know, being born and raised there and really knowing the country? Uh Def, definitely both factors are going to play into the success. I mean, um, you know, there's to this day I've been born and raised right here, and there's still something new to learn every year, whether it's a new little pocket of elk or or some unknown water feature, you know, something. There's always something new to benefit from. But um, definitely, you know, the persistence, persistence part plays a big role. You know, we're out in the field all year long, and uh, it dang sure helps out. For sure. So, you know, obviously last year, 1 in 27, they don't, they're not as affected by kind of a lackluster rut. If, if you know, if it gets dry, um, you throw in, you know, two years of wet moisture. Let's say we have continued good spring moisture and, and good you know, early summer monsoons, um, the rut could just be crazy this year in 1 and 27, couldn't it? It, it very well could be. The, the only thing, you know, the dates are kind of rolled back to that earlier stage. Um, I believe they're starting on the 12th this year, so that, that plays a small role into it. So the first few days might be, you know, a little slower than normal, but, um, you know, once they get fired up, it should be a really good year. For sure. Today, um, let's let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about New Mexico and living right there, um, Springerville, Eager area, right there on the basically on the border of New Mexico. Uh, you also do a lot of hunting over in New Mexico. Talk about your thoughts on the conditions uh, over in New Mexico. You know, New Mexico is. is been getting a lot of the same moisture that we have been seeing right here um, in units 1 and 27 of Arizona. So basically, I mean, all the country that we hunt in either state adjoins or, or dang near adjoins, and a lot of the storms have hit 
Arizona and New Mexico both, and it's it's looking pretty dang good over there as well, Jay. When you're talking elk in New Mexico, um, you know, what would be your favorite units, you know, if you could, you know, have the choice to hunt your top, you know, two, three, four, five units, what would what would be at the top of the heap? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. It uh I would say that's gonna change year to year for me personally. Um obviously some of the sixteens are great, um but there's some some other units that are really good, you know, the twelve, thirteen, eighteen. Um there's there's dang sure some really good hunts over there, but as far as my favorite, man, that that could change annually depending on the moisture. When you're um, looking at 16A and 16D, which are, you know, historically two of the, the units that get talked about probably the most in New Mexico, um, what in your mind differentiates those two units? Uh, I, they obviously have a little bit better management. Um, you know, there's fewer tags issued on those hunts they don't have a, a november season bull hunt so uh you know you're basically subject to the mobility impaired hunts and the the two hunts in october that are the general hunts as well as the bow hunts in september but without a november hunt you know you're uh, saving a lot of bulls that way and then plus the hunts that are there they're very limited tags so you just get a higher age class from year to year gotcha now talk a little bit about um you know the the landowner tags um, applying with an outfitter how the percentage works in new mexico because of the breakdown if if you don't apply with an outfitter your odds are much uh, more difficult um if, if you don't go with an outfitter talk a little bit about that right so 84 a minimum of 84 percent of the tags are going to be issued to the residents of new mexico and then a 10 up to 10 percent which is a new wording this year up to 10 percent uh will be allowed to go to people who apply through an outfitter and then up to six percent are issued to non-residents who do not apply through an outfitter and so those Go ahead. I was just going to say those uh, those new wordings that they put on there uh, definitely changed changed a few hunts for this year. Um, there's hunts that you know guys could put on their application and they won't even have a shot at drawing. Explain that a little bit. Well, for instance, if you've got a hunt that you know say. For instance, the Unit 18 uh, rifle hunt, it's October 1st through the 5th. There's 10 tags issued on it. Um, if you have a non-resident applying for that hunt who is not contracted through an outfitter, he is not even going to have a, a shot at drawing one of those permits because there's the <clears throat> allocations are up to 6% would be able to be drawn in that hunt where... Obviously, um, it's going to have to be in the outfitted pool because it's up to 10%. So one of those tags will be issued to the outfitter pool, and the other nine will go to the New Mexico residents. Okay. 
Um, interesting, I'm looking at unit, I'm looking at GoHunt.com Insider and I'm looking at Unit 18, uh, the first archery hunt, the first through the 14th. Uh, it's a 33% draw if you put in with, uh, with an outfitter. Looks like there's three tags there to draw and there were 18, excuse me, there were nine applicants for that hunt. Um, you like that Unit 18. Yeah, it can be it can be good. It's it's definitely not your typical elk hunt or elk country. It's uh, the more arid desert area. Um, densities are low. There's lots of private land to navigate around, but there's some great bulls to be had there. Um, there's obviously not going to be many elk, but it can be a really good hunt. When you're comparing um, Unit 1 and 27 and then you literally drive 30 minutes the other way and, and go into some of these units in New Mexico, you know, comparing elk from state to state, uh, everything I've heard, I have limited experience in New Mexico myself hunting, uh, but everything that I've heard is the New Mexico elk can be a little bit more finicky, um, not quite as vocal. Um, do you see that or do you, do you agree with that or not? Yeah, in most of the areas that's, that's how it is. Um, and I, I would pretty much bet that that's based upon the pressure that they get throughout the year. Um, they get a lot more hunts lined back to back to back in New Mexico. So, uh, the elk are obviously going to be more pressured and, and we all know what that extra pressure does to the elk that time of year. What about Unit 23? You know, I hear a lot about uh, that unit over there in New Mexico. I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, being being fairly close to where you live, um, your thoughts on that. You know, 23 is one of those units um, that can be really good. It could hold a giant. Um, it pumps out some nice bulls, but it is not an easy hunt. It's a tough hunt, whether you're in the archery season the muzzleloader season or the rifle season it's a it's a tough unit to hunt um it does border unit 27 in arizona but it is a night and day different world um but it it holds big bulls but not many new mexico on a whole wouldn't you agree i mean it can kick out every bit as big a bull as, as anything in arizona at any given time right i mean if 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 it has good moisture, the genetics are there, and, and it can produce a giant, giant bull. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, it's not as common as it was 10, 15 years ago, obviously, but uh, there are dinks or some really good bulls in New Mexico, and, and they may pop up in some oddball areas. Your um, premium hunts, you guys obviously focus in Arizona and New Mexico. Um, you know, is it subject to the amount of hunters that you draw in each depends on how many, you know, how many hunts you are doing in each state? Um, or, or is it, you know, does it vary from year to year or is it pretty consistent? No, it, it varies year to year quite a bit because um, for the most part, we're subject to the draw. So Arizona, obviously, it's all based upon the draw who calls on what year um, new mexico we do have some landowner tags that we can create hunts on um, we don't do it to stay busy we just you know we'll do a handful of guys on landowner tags each year and but for the most part in new mexico we're also subject to the draw so some years we may have uh, 
a season date where we're pretty busy and the next year we may not have anybody so you never really know do you have much experience in uh, 16b um, which I believe is the wilderness uh, hunt over there in the Gila yeah we we've hunted bee quite a bit um, we kind of went away from bee for quite a few years and then we we started slowly coming back to it um, you know we started hunting bee back in probably 2002 2003 we hunted it heavy for oh shoot probably about six years and then we kind of got away from it for a while there and uh, this past year we started going back into it the new mexico hunts um is it common for you to use um your stock you know horses and mules or are you primarily hunting um you know out of atvs trucks rangers that that type of thing for the most part, that's how we're going to be hunting is, is getting from A to B, you know, on vehicles and then hunting on foot throughout the day. Um, we'd use our animals for a lot of pack outs. Um, last year we used, I believe we only packed in on horseback for one hunt, and that was actually a Unit 16B hunt that we packed in on, and it, it was a good hunt. We killed a nice bull on it. The thing is, though, with you, when you say nice bull, I mean, sometimes that could be like a 390 monster and you're kind of downplaying it and saying nice bull, so it's a, it's a little... <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I do podcasts with you and when I talk to you on the phone outside of the podcast, I always have to take that with a little bit of grain of salt because you'll be like, yeah, we shot a nice buck and... You know, and then you send me a picture and I'm like drooling all over myself. I'm like, dude, you didn't tell me it was a giant. Um, let's talk a well, little B, bit about... He is definitely, he's definitely one of those areas where a bull like that could show up, but uh, you just never know. Like like we were saying earlier in New Mexico, um, you know, you could run into a giant anywhere, even in a unit that you feel is overhunted. I mean, year to year, there's going to be a big bull in most of those units somewhere. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the deer um, in New Mexico. Um, I know the mule deer, you know, overall is, is pretty rough over there, but talk about your deer hunts in New Mexico and, um, you know, whether you focus more on coos or mule deer. You know, Jay, for the most part, you're right. New Mexico's taken a, a pretty bad turn for the mule deer. Um, there are some decent hunts that can pump out some giant bucks, but generally we don't hunt many of those areas. There's a couple that you know, we still do hunt, but it's just, it's a tough game in New Mexico for, a, you know, a high-caliber mule deer. Um, and we do, do a lot of, we do some coos deer hunting over there as well. There's some good coos in New Mexico. Um, you know, we hunt uh, Unit 23. Um, we hunt the Burrow Mountains unit in Unit 23 and Unit 27. They can all be pretty, pretty solid. Do you feel like the New Mexico coos deer, it's a little bit overshadowed by Arizona, and actually there's some sneaky quality there in New Mexico if you know the right places to go? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's it's hard to compete with, obviously, Arizona and, and Mexico, but there are some great bucks in New Mexico to be had. And then 
you do a lot of exotics, a um, lot of different hunts. Talk about all of the different variety of hunts that you do over there in New Mexico. Yeah, so in New Mexico, you you know, obviously you're going to have your elk, deer, antelope. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with New Mexico, they also have uh, free-ranging Barbary sheep, uh, ibex, oryx, and they offer hunts for all of these species. Um, and they're great hunts. They're they're fun. The game is is pretty plentiful, and they're a good time. The ibex hunt specifically, they've got archery, um, they've got rifle, they've got some different tags. Um, talk a little bit about that mountain range and the, the uh, level of difficulty of that hunt. That. That hunt can be extremely difficult, um, especially if you're talking about the archery hunt. So anybody who ever has even attempted to archery hunt the Florida Mountains for Ibex, um, they've learned a thing or two, <laughs> and they've probably had a, had their butt kicked a handful of times. It's definitely not an easy hunt. I think the success rates are 1% to 2%, and it can be a grind. But... You know, Ibex with the, the muzzleloader and rifle, obviously it's going to be a little easier because you can take a poke at them from a ways out. But it's it's still not an easy feat. I mean, it's a big, nasty mountain range. Once the rifle seasons kick in, is the success rate as far as the harvest rate um, for you guys a lot better just because of the ability to not have to be, you know, 50 yards or closer? Definitely. Those ibex, they spend all their time on the mountain, right? So, I mean, you have to do you, do you go around the perimeter and look up at them, or do you get up on the mountain with them? Uh, we'll do a little bit of both. Uh, generally, we'll like to keep, you know, a guy or two down in the valley floor and, and really tearing apart the faces of the mountain and everything. But it's also really great to have guys up on top, too, because you can see country that you can't from the bottom. Those ibex. Um, what's the quality like um, as far as the the length of horns? And you know, over the years, they've been getting hunted a lot. How has the quality um, survived? Uh, it it survived, but it's it's dang sure gone downhill, Jamie. Back in the day, you used to get world class ibex out of there on a pretty regular regular basis, and and nowadays, you know, you're you're not getting as high a quality, obviously. I mean, they've they've done a lot of uh, nanny hunts and everything, and, and it's just taken a, a beating on the herd. But still, if it's something that you, um, you know, you would definitely tell guys put in for. It's just you're not going to shoot the giant, giant bellies that they were shooting years ago. Right, it, and it's a great hunt, especially, you know, for somebody who's looking to, to put it on their list and not have to, you know, travel overseas or anything like that. It's a, it's probably the only place you can do it. Yeah. Let's talk about the oryx um, hunts. I know you you do a bunch of those oryx hunts as well. Yeah, the oryx hunts are great. They have a, a handful of different hunts. They have uh, hunts, you know, on the White Sands Missile Range. And then they have some hunts that are off-range tags as well. Um, we generally like to focus on the hunts that are within the White Sands Missile Range. 
um, they're, they're good hunts, you know, game's plentiful. They are short hunts, um, three-day hunts. By the time you get your orientation and everything done, you're pretty much getting two and a half days of hunting. So um, they're short, but usually sweet hunts. I hear it's you do the orientation and then the gates open and then off you go and it's it's like a right out of a western. <laughs> yeah, as soon, as soon as orientation's over and they, and you're released, yeah, man, it's a the free for all. There's trucks trying to pull out and get certain areas first, and it it becomes a little bit of a rat race for those first first few minutes. But it's uh you know once everybody spreads out and, and kind of gets away, it's it's really a fun hunt. What about the Barbary sheep? Another great hunt. Um, you know, we like to call it the poor man's sheep hunting, but it's a, it's fun hunting. You know, it's you're hunting them in rough country. You get to see kind of how they interact and everything. Um, some great rams to be had as well. I mean, obviously, there's a lot bigger rams on the Texas side, but um, New Mexico has some great rams. You know, we usually kill rams from 28 to 32 inches in New Mexico. We're moving down the list here. You guys also do um, bighorn sheep. Do you do both desert and rocky hunts? Yes, we do. Um, we don't do them in all areas. Uh, we do them in a handful of areas for each. Um, but there's obviously some great rams and obviously some of those areas that we don't hunt are, are fantastic as well um, we just don't have the time to get over there and, and learn every unit you know yeah so you have specific units that you kind of cherry pick and that's where you put your hunters in for correct and and it's a great unit to apply i mean if anybody's considering sheep as as a bucket list animal or or trying to complete a slam uh, New Mexico is a must-apply state because there is no point system, and you could potentially draw the very first year you apply. Yeah. What about your own personal hunting uh, in New Mexico? Have you have you been fortunate and drawn uh, many elk or any of these um, animals we're talking about? You know, I, I've had a couple elk tags in New Mexico, um, Isles of Deer tags in, in subpar units. Um, I did draw my oryx once in a lifetime, but I, I have yet to draw personally for ibex sheep or barbary sheep. Uh, still, still waiting. Gotcha. Do you guys mess at all um, with any of the bear hunting? Do you do much bear hunting in general? No, we don't, Jay. It's uh, it's nothing that really has ever struck our interest, and we just kind of stay away from it. You're you're not bear hunting because you're too busy thinking about turkeys. <laughs> yeah, the, tur the turkeys never really have gone on my radar either. Just, huh? uh, Come yeah, on, never gotten, never gotten the turkey bug. Come on. I uh, guess I'll have to see what one of those Gold's turkey hunts is all about someday. But unbelievable, yeah. you're one of those that just doesn't do anything for you. It's got to have antlers or horns for you to be excited. No, I just it's just something I've never done. I mean. That's kind of how I would look at it right now, but everybody tells me as soon as you try it once, you're going to be hooked, and it's just something I've never done. Gotcha. Uh, I assume you do see quite a few turkeys over in New Mexico and Arizona, huh? Oh, definitely, yeah. We see we see gobs of them. Where, at, where more, in New Mexico or 
Arizona. Arizona, we see more of them. Really? 27 or yeah. 1? Uh, you know, it seems like we see more in 1, but it seems like the bigger turkeys are always in 27. Gotcha. And I don't know if, if that's how it is or if it's just the areas that I end up in in 27 and they're just older birds. I have no idea. Huh. Got to get you into that turkey hunting. You're too busy, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to keep my focus uh, on the elk and deer and everything else. What about shed hunting? Um, that's about to kick off here. Do you do a lot of shed hunting? You know, we do quite a bit. Um, obviously, you know, not as much as we used to. Um, my wife would probably kill me if I rolled right out of hunting season and then hit the sheds as hard as I would like to, but um, from time to time we'll get out and, and beat up the hills, you know. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I think I'm out a lot, and I got back from Mexico or something, and I was like texting you, where are you at? And you're like, oh, I'm headed off to go scout for Ibex, da-da-da, this and that. And I'm like, dude, you've only been home two days. You were in Mexico <laughs> like 18 days, and you're off again to yeah. the wild beyond. Unreal. Right. Yeah, my my wife puts up with a lot. It's, a, it's pretty good. But <laughs> you push the make, limit? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, speaking of Mexico, you've, uh, gone down now two years with me down there and, and, um, just haven't really hit it just perfect. I mean, you've had, you guys have shot some good bucks and you just kind of had one thing or another, just not be in the right place at the right time, but you're bound to here one of these days. What do you think about the country down there? Man, Jay, I, I love it down there. I mean... It's just a blast. It's a great time. Um, it's a good way for, you know, me and some of the guys to go down and just kind of unwind. It's, uh, the country's phenomenal. I mean, obviously, you know, the areas we've been in, we've been in the desert floors to the high mountains, and, and I've loved every minute of each place. So It is nice yeah. to be able to go to a place, and it, you, you do have a feeling that you're not in some place that's just been completely trampled down. I mean, there there's some very wild feelings to a lot of that country, isn't there? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, from going from the public land in Arizona and New Mexico to you go down there and you get on a ranch and, and you don't see a foot track, you don't see any other people, you know, you just, from time to time, you might find an old horseshoe laying on the hillside, but that's about, about all you're going to see for people sign, you know. It's it's a blast. Yeah, I know um, this last year you guys ended up spending about twice as much time as you did the year before, and I have a feeling this, this coming year you'll do the same. Um, but it's it's just one of those places that's, you know, got a real wild feel. I mean, and, and I'm not talking about anything other than once you get on these ranches and the big, big, vast, big country, you know, rough country and, um, it's just got a great feel to it, and you know I'm so fortunate. I last year was my 24th season down there, and um, it's definitely one of those hunts that I hope I never have to miss, and uh, always look forward to it. It's funny I'm I'm back for two or three days, and then all of a sudden I'm right back to thinking, you know, okay, where are we going next year, and what ranches, and you know, trying to get everything lined out, and it's just right. it's just one of those things that gets in your blood for for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last year, obviously, my first year, I, I went down and did the trip down to Mexico, and, you know, I was pretty skeptical, to be honest, you know, waiting. You hear so many horror stories and stuff like that, and, and it's just we've never had an issue the way you organize it and everything's great. And, you know, once you're down there and set up, it's the people on the ranch, they've all been great to us. Yeah, it's a good time for sure. Um, all right, as far as New Mexico application, I believe we have a deadline of the 18th. Um, so, you know, we're about a little over two weeks out. I uh, want to give you a chance to let people know uh, how they can get a hold of you and put in for these New Mexico hunts. You know, guys can call me anytime. Uh, my number is 928-245-8722. Uh, they could also uh, text me on that number. They can email me at info at premiumhunts.com. Uh, they can also find us on Instagram, premium underscore hunts. Uh, find us on Facebook, premium hunts. Um, any of those outlets would be a good way to contact us. For sure. You know, your Instagram, premium underscore hunts, um, for those people out there, go and give those guys a follow. They have a phenomenal page. Um, you know, the, the content on the page with the, the giant bulls and some of these videos and stuff. Um, you know, talking to you, Justin, you know, you're real low-key, low kind of just, you know, easy easy going. You can tell. Um, I know you're intense and all of that, but you're just easy going, talking to on the phone. And, um, you know, when you when I follow your page, it's nice just to follow. Just, you know, you're not pushing and you're not, you're just posting great content and big giant bowls and all kinds of stuff. So my hat's off to you for, for that hard work that you and your guides put in um, for sure. And uh, look forward to... Uh, Look forward to Mexico next year, and and uh, I think your I think your number's about to be called for a big giant buck down there. Man, I hope so. <laughs> I'm I'm due. Yeah, I know you are. Sounds good. Well, uh, God bless, buddy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's always great talking to you. And again, I encourage the listeners to follow you on Instagram and reach out to Justin if you're interested in those New Mexico haunts. Real quick, Jay. Uh, I'd like to offer uh, anybody who books a hunt with us in Arizona or New Mexico, I'm going to offer them a $250 discount for anybody who mentions uh, the code JSO2020. So awesome. that's something to offer your podcast listeners and hopefully give us a few more calls. Awesome, man. That's, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing that for the listeners. That's really cool. All right, man. Well, God bless, and uh, I'll be chatting at you. Let's keep this rain coming, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll know here maybe by the end of the week, uh, you know, what these credit card hits are and who got exact what units in Arizona, and uh, hopefully uh, you get booked up in New Mexico, get a bunch of calls, and uh, get some applicants in and, and uh, get some great hunters. So uh, I always enjoy talking to you, okay? All right, Jay. Thanks a lot. Take All care. Right.